on this episode of the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. I let Rochelle know what potluck roommates meant and the horror of her reaction. I was aghast. <laughs> it's a good word. You have five seconds before you click off of this if I don't entertain you. If this is your first time with the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. I'm Sing. Just, I'm just Sing gonna, oh, something. Uh, Zippity-doo-dah, zippity-yay. Nope. Nope. That was a bad choice. Um, how about I just compliment them? Okay. You are awesome. And thank you. You know, it sounds like it sounds like you're candoring or pandering. Candoring is not a well. well hey, you, now you've come to a podcast where we make up words. This is the candor is a yeah. thing. It's just not the right one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we are Rochelle and Carter. We talk about what's going on in our lives, and it is pro- we're all human beings. Probably something similar to what you've dealt with before. And then we talk about you know going through the Bible, trying to interpret when we have questions, when we have doubts, just going through what we are facing as Christians on this earth. I want to talk about the disciples trying to parent other people's kids. Now, when did that happen? Well, it, actually, it did. It did. You know, when all the kids were being brought. Get to, these kids to Jesus. out of here. Hey, he's too busy for these kids. Get yeah. them out of here. And yeah. Jesus was like, whoa, you know what? If you don't let them come to me, then you're never going to get it. You're never going to understand what the kingdom of heaven is all about because it's made up of people who have the faith of a child. Yeah. And he set the kid in front of the group. As an example, and I mean, that's how that's how he treated the parenting of other kids. That's what he did. But I, I was this close to doing it. <laughs> I was this close. You were close to parenting somebody else's child. I walk into a department store right yeah. there at the entrance. I hear it before I see it. And all eyes are looking. You know this woman is feeling the burning stares of all patrons at the store. And she has a three-year-old clinging to her leg who's screaming for toys in the most obnoxious way a three-year-old could. I want toys. And uh, she's trying to push her cart, which appears to have, it looks like a like a baby carriage box in it. So she's maybe got another one on the way. Okay. Honestly, I, I stopped looking at her. I just started looking at this child. And I, I every fiber of my being was telling me, go tell that child no. <laughs> no, you may not have the toys. Yeah. No, no, go follow your mommy. That's enough. You know, the parenting in you comes out when you see that it's it's not being in it's not being done by the parent there. Yeah. When you especially with an outside view feel like I know how to handle this situation. Mm -hmm. And of course, you don't know their whole situation, Mm -mm. but you know what you're looking at is totally wrong. Yeah, it's yes, it's wrong. And it would be wrong for me to go in and tell that mom you are doing this all wrong especially if the Holy Spirit didn't lead me to go in and in some way intervene. Maybe even just asking, may I help you in any way? Maybe asking the mom, maybe that's how the Holy Spirit would lead. Or, you know, just to walk away and let her deal. Sometimes that's that's also the way it's led. But I really resisted the urge because literally I'm walking around this store. Halfway across the store, I'm still hearing him screaming for toys. And she hasn't, she's clearly not made it to the cash, cash register, which is, I'm assuming, where she was headed with this child clinging to her leg, screaming for toys. Oh, my goodness. But, yeah, it starts to, you You first start with the thing that you know you're supposed to do. Judge not, lest you be judged with the same judgment that you delve out on others. This is Jesus' command to us. And so I don't know her story. I don't know her situation. She may have just had the worst day ever, and she's done. You know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. At the same point, you assume with this child being the age that he is, that there's been enough years in between to know better. If she has done 
her job in showing boundaries. You're not allowed to scream in the store. You're not allowed to. So then you start assuming that way. And then you start going, well, but uh, what if <laughs> you start making excuses for them mm. or you start building your defense against them? <laughs> That's what you do. Yeah. I, I do think we have found ourselves in a day and age where we are conditioning each other to not rise to the level that Jesus wants for us. Do you know what I mean? Because you are talking about this culture that we live in of don't judge me. The Bible says not to judge me. Mm-hmm. And and it's like, well, no, like judgment calls. Right. And the truth is something a little different from, you know, if I was going to tell a friend, hey, you, you probably shouldn't live with your girlfriend before you get married. Don't judge me. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I'm not. I'm just telling you, like, wisdom because usually that kind of fizzles out and then there's actually a higher divorce rate with people who live together before marriage you know and so not just to mention if you had just gone to them with the biblical basis yeah yeah exactly you just say here's what the bible says but yeah. then that's the culture that we live in so now what you're saying i believe yeah. is we're afraid to go there right and speak truth and we should do it lovingly and in the right way don't get me wrong but we're afraid to go there because of political correctness i think there's only a very limited a window where you should be able to speak into those situations. I don't think unless the Holy Spirit is like, it's driving you to go and intervene in some way. Uh, Maybe it's for the welfare of the child or the parent, you know, let me help. Wait, no, don't do that. You know, in those instances, I think that, yeah, I, you have an opportunity there to intervene, but unless you know the person and you can live alongside them and they can see from your lifestyle that you are in this with them, that you are loving them where they're at. And yeah. they're, it's not from a judgmental place. It's from a, I love you. I care for you place. And I feel like I'm supposed to share this with you. You know, you, you shouldn't necessarily go there. But I do find that uh, we excuse a lot of behavior because of horrific circumstances. But Jesus doesn't want us to live in the memory of horrific circumstances. He wants us to rise above to where he lives, let me give an example. My own mother was abused when she was young and then years later was faced with this same abuser, a family member who asked for her forgiveness. It had gone on for a prolonged amount of time. It should never have happened. It was horrifying. However, she gave grace. You can choose higher ground where Jesus lives and it's only through Jesus that you could choose grace and forgiveness in the first place because, I mean, unspeakable acts... You can't come up with grace on your own. It's only through him. Or you can choose to stay in a frustrated, embittered place. Yes, life is broken. What happened to you should not have happened. But God's desire for you is that you move forward in what he he freely gave to us, grace. And he says, you know what? Boundaries are good. Saying no can be good. This discipline can be good. Yeah. It can be. In fact, it is showing love. But we, with with your mom's example, I think we can both agree that she did the right thing. Mm-hmm. But even you, much less me, couldn't tell your mom, you need to forgive that guy. Right. You need to forgive him. You need yeah. to forgive him. Because we haven't experienced it. And even me personally, I wouldn't even know your mom well enough. Even you, you haven't gone through it in the way sure. that she has. And so there's this weird dichotomy of... We need to speak truth, but sometimes it's not our place, too. Right. I think that, and that's the nail on the head. So it's like, okay, we're enabling each other by making a bunch of excuses for each other to stay in this place. 
And yet it really does have to be a transforming work by the Holy Spirit to have them rise to Jesus. I can't force you into that position. What can I do? I can pray for them. Do you know what I did not do in the middle of that store? I didn't pray for that woman. Mm. Why? There's a perfectly wonderful opportunity. So I can pray for them. I can live life with them, alongside them. And and by even just my example, Jesus shines his light. It's not even my example. It's his light through me shining through. They can see there's something different about her. So you know? we got this call from Angela, and it was way back when she was at a blockbuster renting a movie. <laughs> wow. Um and so stop it. It wasn't that long ago. No, just thinking about how different it was, though. You remember when they you they could literally be out of a movie? Yeah, they were out of a movie a lot. And oh, yeah. could I, you imagine they're, they're never out of Netflix? Like, it's just that movie's always there. Be kind. Rewind was a thing. <sighs> we even got the days. special VHS rewinders just so we wouldn't put that stress on our VHS. Oh, yeah. I didn't even know. Put that. It in the rewind. You don't know about the rewind. Stop it. I okay. did not know about that. I'll tell you what I got the other day at the same store. I believe you were at. Uh, there is a new game. It's a movie trivia game. It's called Blockbuster. It is the official logo of Blockbuster, and it's in one of those old VHS cases. I did see that. And it comes with a board game and cards and all that. And so we got so it. it's so cute. I thought about getting it, but I'm yeah. like, what am I going to do with this? Oh, we're going to play it. It's going to be amazing. It's going to haunt me with all the times I didn't rewind. Yeah, that's a good point. But she's in this Blockbuster, and she sees something similar that you saw, where it was a child hitting, a small child, hitting uh, the mother. And she's like, I... I did it. I went over there. I was like, we don't hit mommy. And it sounded like the way she described it, very loving too. We don't yeah. hit mommy. We don't do that. And uh, the mom actually said, thank you, I believe. But then when they get in line, mom chose to explain. Uh, my child is going through chemo. Yeah. This is one of those things that we do together mm -hmm. to have a good memory at the end of a long chemo day. Yeah. And it just didn't go well tonight, apparently. Sure. So Angela gets to the car and she goes, Oh man, I feel terrible because I judged that mom and that, yeah. that child. Even though her outward expression of it was very kind. Well, and that's the key. I don't think she did anything wrong. She would just need to ask for forgiveness of what was on her in, in going her on in her heart. Right. If she really did judge in a um in a manner that wasn't worthy of Jesus. But what she said to the child wasn't this outlandish, reprehensible thing. Let's not hit mommy. That's fine. Yeah, but she did step in and say something. I, I kind of did that once at, in a store in the line. I saw this kid hitting his mommy, and I shook my head. No, uh, don't do that. Uh -huh. But, yeah, you have to be careful in this day and age. It's, don't, don't tell my kid what to do, you know? Mm. You have to be careful. But um, I think, again, here, we don't know the story, but there have to be some truths. There yeah. have to be some absolutes. There are absolutes. And one truths. of them is you do not hit mommy. Mm -hmm. I know you have. You had a rough day. Mommy had a rough day. Mommy doesn't like seeing you do what, you, what happened. I don't like that we have to go to the hospital, baby. I know. I love you so much, but you cannot hit mommy. And maybe she was about to say that. I don't know her story. Maybe she was going to take him to the car in a minute and do it. Maybe she would have. But I, I do see a lot of those kinds of things happen more than not, whether we have the backstory. And it's, it's, it's sad because you're thinking to yourself, you're not doing your child any favors. Maybe your past was abuse, and so you're very cautious about, I want to be very careful that I do not do that to my child so that there's a there's no indication of that kind of hurt that I experienced. So then there's just sometimes no discipline at all. It can, can and the be. child is given full reign and of the rule of the roost, and that's not going to be healthy for them later in life because that's not life. There's always going to be an authority figure over them, you know? Yeah, yeah. So it's... 
well, it was it was a bunch of weird stuff. You know what you got to do in the end? I think prayer, prayer is going to take you to that place. Well, and the point is, we all say two wrongs don't make a right. Yeah. But then we let it we let it go by with kids well, or anybody. They had this happen or yeah. they had that happen. So I'll let them be rude. You got to make a choice in yeah. life for good, period. And you got to teach your children what that looks like. Make a good choice. So we were talking with this today's day and age is just not one that you should probably parent other people's kids when you don't know them. Yeah. Um, and even when you do, maybe, maybe you're that aunt and you don't know it yet. Yeah. You're that, oh man, Aunt Margaret's coming around again. I don't know why I chose your That's my name. mom's name. <laughs> and she is an aunt. No. Wow. It was the most random name I could think of. Margaret, I love you. It has nothing to do with you. So, but it, I think that's another key is that it's today's, you know, day and age. And you just got to be careful with mm. today's culture. And that's why um, I also wouldn't recommend what I've been reading in Mark 6. John the Baptist... <laughs> With what he was doing, I don't think you, I know you couldn't make a difference with what he was doing in today's culture. He was, and maybe he was telling Herod himself and new King Herod, but it sounds like he, let me even just read it to make sure I'm not like screwing this up. I think word was getting back to Herod. Is, that's okay, what I was okay, under the impression. Okay, well, and then, then, then that's true. You could not, and this isn't a political statement, this is just true of whoever's president ever. You could not stand outside the White House and say, well, you know what the president did? They did this and they did that. And then expect that the president is going to call you in and go, tell me more about how he's growing <laughs> up. I want to know. Like, that's yeah. just not going to happen. Yeah. And now whether he had audience with the king, I, again, I'm not, I'd have to go back and read it. But movies have portrayed that if the parade is coming by with the king, that he would shout it from his place there in the wilderness and say, hey, you're not so hot. That, yeah, yeah, that's you're, you're quite interesting. You're married to your brother's wife. How does that even work? Because he's still alive. So, and and that's what that was going on. He was calling King Herod out for being married to an adulterer. brother's wife. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. And so let me um, just set that stage that it is a different time at this time. But there's a, a today truth here Speaking with this. Speaking of parenting other people's kids, <laughs> Herod's dad, hey, you really messed this one up. Quote from John the Baptist. <laughs> so Mark 6, uh, verse 20. Herod both feared and stood in awe of John and kept him safely in custody. I mean, he had the guy in jail because he was convinced that John was a righteous and holy man. Every time Herod heard John speak, it disturbed his soul, but he was drawn to him and enjoyed listening to his words. And that really just hit me that you might have that icy heart made of stone neighbor, family member, coworker, and it feels like you're not making a difference. But if you are living a life after Jesus, you, cause we don't know what happens with Herod at the end of his life necessarily. It doesn't seem, he's surely not painted in a good light, so it doesn't seem he became a Jesus follower, but it clearly was grasping the heart of Herod. He was intrigued yeah. at the very least because Herod kept saying truth and kept living his life after Jesus. And so if you feel like you're not making a difference because that difficult person in your life is not showing a difference, it doesn't mean that they're not listening. You know, a lot of these stories, uh -huh. it doesn't, we don't know their ending. 
maybe Herod become a, became a Jesus follower at the end of his life. It would have probably happened after he had ha- asked for the head of John the Baptist on a platter. I mean, yeah, it wasn't before. It certainly wasn't before. And I'm so, going to follow Jesus right after I chop his cousin's head off. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly wow. right. It, it would have been much later probably, but it he's not painted in a good light, so it doesn't seem that he became one. Regardless, that didn't hold John back from speaking the truth. Yeah, and, and I will tell you this one— it, we do know Herod's story. He came from a long line of kings that were very, very confused mm-hmm. uh, because they'd chosen that path. They'd chosen themselves over following after God. No, was and, it him or would it have been his dad that had the, when Jesus was a boy, had all the babies killed? Okay, so there were multiple Herods. At the same time. And, and there was, yeah, there's one that you can read about that, who thought of himself higher than God at one time he goes out and the people are like, you've done really good. He's like, I know I've done really good. And then he died. Like he got eaten by worms. Yeah. That's what the Bible says. He fell over in that moment and he got, wow. Yeah. It was not a good situation. That was a different Herod. Um, but there were, there were multiple Herods. The point being he came from a long line of selfish choices and he had that modeled for him. And yet he heard things that were truth-filled from John, and he was intrigued. So that tells me that even though he was so, quote, far gone in terms of what was modeled for him, there was still truth that resonated with him. He was not so far gone. He was not reprobate, is what they say, is beyond hope. He, there was something there that intrigued him about John, even frightened him to the point of it was his wife that took offense to the whole adulterer comment. It yeah, wasn't yeah. really him. That's right. That's right. And it was finally his wife, Herodias, who who got her daughter to to dance for him and ask for John's head on a platter. It's this whole weird love triangle thing there. But um, I think it's fascinating that, you know, John's occupation probably wasn't one that uh, he ever questioned because from the beginning it says he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He knew what his purpose was, which was to to point to Jesus. Yeah. And his purpose in life is, it's ours. That's ours. It's always to point to Jesus. And I was reading this devotional the other day about how this woman, she said, I come from a very artistic family and everybody in my family can do something really amazing, like performance wise or art wise. And they're just, that's what my family is known for. Oh, get them to do it. Maybe at the church, they're really good at art. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then she said, when they come to me as they're going down the family line, Oh, they're good at this. And they're good at that. They come to me and they're like, huh? Oh no. And she said, honestly, I didn't either. I didn't know. And she went to this, this woman's breakfast and she's sitting there and she felt like the speaker was speaking directly to her. You ever wonder what's my purpose? What am I supposed to be doing? What is supposed to be my thing? And she said, if you've ever wondered that, the answer is so simple. It's serving the Lord. It's what John the Baptist did. It's pointing to Jesus. That's what he did when all those people were following John and he's telling them to repent, to sin no more. When Jesus shows up, he basically, he drops the mic and goes and points to Jesus. Behold the Lamb of God. That's my life story supposed to be. That's my purpose is Jesus and pointing people to him and so her uh her breakfast she was like well then i i can volunteer and do some stuff here and there and see if i'm good at this and that and honestly she found really great ways of serving the lord she found uh things that she didn't know she'd have a knack for Mm. and she kind of fell in line with that but 
she aligned herself with the purpose of who she was as a child of God in pointing to Christ and everything else followed. Kind of like one of my favorite verses says, if you seek first the kingdom of God, all these things will be added. And so if you've ever felt like you're in that monotony, that mundane, I don't know what my thing is. You know what? It's okay. You're in great company. So many, I think a lot of people, they go to their job day in and day out. And it's like, why am I doing this? Yeah. There are people that whether they tell you it or it just feels like that from the outside, that their job is their purpose. Yeah. And nobody's job is their purpose. No. They they may be fulfilling their purpose in their job, but I think there are so many people, there's undecided majors in college. They don't know, you know, what, mm. what to do. And then there's, yeah, that that maybe dead-end job it's referred to sometimes. Well, but maybe it's starting the small group or the Bible study at lunch at the job. Maybe that's part of the purpose, yeah. you know, or, or raising your kids to love Jesus or an activity that, uh, is, is representation, you know, you're a craft leader at a vacation Bible school. I mean, there's so many even hobbies that could be more part of the purpose than even employment. Your purpose is praise. It's in Jesus. It's in igniting other people to recognize their purpose in him too. Yeah. And honestly, uh, it took one person to influence a Billy Graham. It took one person to influence a Mother Teresa. It takes one person to do that. And it could be you. And it could be you doing that one thing. Bible tells us to do everything is unto the Lord. The mundane stuff. It reminds me as I'm folding laundry, I'm doing this for my family. I'm being an example for my children to witness that they have a mommy who loves them and is folding their socks. Whether they see that today or it has to come when they have children and they're doing it themselves, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. but your position has power because God placed you in it with purpose. It's not happenstance. He puts you there for a reason. And, you know, we were talking, it was a couple podcasts ago, or maybe it was last podcast where Paul was chained to his jailer. Yeah. And yeah. He, it's like, well, well, that's it. It's over. Can't talk about the gospel anymore. And no, that wasn't a thing. He's like, this guy's chained to me. I'm going to tell him about the gospel. And so he found, he found God's purpose even there. He found a platform, what he was chained to, he preached from. I, I want to share this uh, when Mackenzie called us, because okay. talking about purpose and, and just, well, here, here's what she says. Um, I just heard y'all talking about if you're in a spot right now and you feel maybe a little stuck or it just, if you're serving, then you're doing what is called of you. Yeah. I just was wondering, how do you continue that in your home life when you don't feel like you're being poured back into? Yeah, that's a great question. And we found out from her that she was a, a college student, so she's dealing with all of that. She's dealing with um, a boyfriend where she doesn't feel like she's it's reciprocated and, and roommates, and apparently there's some rough stuff. She didn't go into detail. But immediately I thought about what did Jesus do? Um, first of all, I thought about myself. Then when I got out of myself, I was like, well, what would Jesus do? But Jesus did the thing where he got away from people and he had quiet time with God. And if you don't feel like they're pouring into you, actually that could be a, a tremendous place to be because people could pour into you, but they might be pouring the wrong stuff. True. And if I want the good stuff, then I need to go to him first thing every day. That's where, I mean, that's what I do. Sometimes people are getting their devotions in in the evening time but spending time with God because he is the only one scripture says that will never fail me. People will even loving, well-intentioned people. You've probably experienced that firsthand or been the offender. I know I have, um, but he's the only one who's not going to fail you. Yeah. I, uh, I would totally agree with that. And, and the, we even talked about this last week, the dis distractions 
of TV, phone, whatever, mm-hmm. are easy to get away from our insecurities and our own thoughts. Uh, but sometimes it's those that we need to embrace to figure out, all right, what is the problem? What am I dealing with? And and mm-hmm. what is Jesus trying to tell me? Yeah. Uh, but what I also told her was I was at a, um, in a similar maybe situation. I don't know the full extent of her roommate situation, but I went potluck roommate my freshman year of college. What is potluck roommate? So you just say, I don't have a roommate. And uh, signed me up. And I lived with three people I had never met until we walked in those doors together. That is the most frightening thing I've ever heard of. <laughs> I'm just like, hey, happenstance me some roommate. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> no, the fortunate thing is we had our own bedrooms. Um, otherwise. Still, a roll of the dice, you got Manson next door. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's just like, that's kind of scary. They were three interesting individuals, and yet all of them I could text to this day, and it wouldn't be weird. Okay. It wouldn't be that weird. Um, and so really, really enjoyed it. <laughs> I heard the word that in there. It wouldn't be weird. It wouldn't be that weird. It would, it's been a while, Okay. but they would. we would reminisce. You know what? You just defend what you did. It's all right. It wasn't a mistake. So what was your advice to her? So I, I moved in, and, and these guys are not really Christ followers. They're all... They're all down with church, but by no means are they necessarily all about it, you know. And uh, I realized by second semester I had gotten plugged in. It wasn't, you know, I was in a new town, too. So I'd finally gotten plugged in with this church and known some guys from my church. And so what I told her was I finally quit because it's easy to hang out with roommates because you got people built in there. Yeah. But I finally quit hanging out with them as much because I felt them bringing me down Mm -hmm. and started hanging out with the people from church who were lifting me up. Yeah. Neither group is perfect. Both could and would and did fail me. Uh, but the negativity, I, I became right. I became kind of cynical there for a while. You were with a group of people who wanted you were striving for the same goal, which is to bring honor to the Lord in some yes. way, whatever way we can to bring him glory. I want to follow Jesus. So, yeah, you're going to mess up along the way, but at least you're with other people who are messing up for the same reason. You're like, yes. I'm striving for this. That's exactly right. I mean, along the way, even the potluck thing, even though that frightens me, obviously, I, I said happenstance. If I truly believe that nothing is happenstance, then God. That's can, true. Listen, God can turn things into and he can take a, a negative Nelly situation and make it, it I, have some good in there. I have seen examples of. Uh, the next year, for example, I did it again. The potluck thing. See, yeah, I know. I just and you I know what the definition of insanity is, right? <laughs> doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. The first year went moderately well. I just needed some space so I could pour into them and then go get poured into. That's okay. kind of the point of I that, right? The second year, I have seen examples of two of those guys, I think, moved out after first semester. And I oh, I couldn't even tell you their last names now. Mm-hmm. And I, you, you look back on times like that and you go, it was pointless. It was happenstance. It was... And, uh, I'm going to tell you right now, even while I'm saying this, that a good <laughs> chunk of me still kind of believes that. Mm-hmm. But I have also seen examples of you get a call or a Facebook message 10, 15 years later going, you don't know 
what you living for Christ that semester mm-hmm. meant for me to this day. So there are things that happen like that all the time. Why is that happenstance then? Well, because we don't see the results, mm-hmm. right? And so there's a good chance that one of those guys, a couple of those guys don't even remember my name. Mm-hmm. And then it means we lived for four months together and nothing came of it. I you get know? what you're saying. At the same time, I don't know if I agree with that. So I again... You're saying that's happenstance, but if you still get the email that said your life impacted me well, that, and you will never know it, that doesn't mean just because you don't know it. Just because you don't hear the tree fall in the forest doesn't mean it didn't That's fall. my point. Oh. That's my point. I'm not saying that it's, that it, hey, happenstance, you need to look for it all the time. I'm saying it feels that way when you don't have the result. That makes sense, and, yes. And if... Maybe they don't remember me. And then you're then we're only going to know when we get to heaven and go, God, what was the point of living with Adam or Skylar? And I don't remember their last names. <laughs> what was the point? And maybe it's a mistake that I made or maybe maybe they did see an example. I hope they did. The, the definition of revelation is really interesting. It's like there's a curtain in front of you. And I'm actually facing a wall right now that has a large. Like purplish curtain. And once it's drawn back. You see it. It's like, oh, what's been there all along? Mm. And so I think there's going to be a lot of those types of revelations when we get to heaven. It's like, I had no idea what the purpose was. And he's just going to move that curtain back. And you're like, oh, that was there all along. And I just didn't know it. Yeah. And there's a yeah. reason why God doesn't let us in on all of that stuff. It's, I think our mind would be blown a lot. I think ego could play in that too. Oh, I had a hand in that. Mm-hmm. And that's not for us. That's for the Lord. But it will be very fascinating to see how... He connected all the dots. And kind of the point of this is you have a purpose, be poured into and know even if you don't see the results that you're making a difference or God is making a difference behind the scenes even if you, when you don't know it. And going back to the first part of it, if you're a mom that's overwhelmed and you need help with your kids, <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I had a little boy with autism and he threw those rants where everybody stared. Mm-hmm. And I remember having to leave many a grocery store but uh, some of the best people in the world were in that church nursery. Mm. And I'm going to get all emotional thinking about Susan. Susan and Robin were their names, and they watched my little boy every Sunday. And my son so looked forward to seeing them. So you get yourself into maybe a church situation. You get that little one loved on in a good way and give yourself a break. That's yeah. okay. That's yeah. Okay. And that's been 11, 12 years. Yeah. I still remember Robin and Susan. That's really cool. Yeah, they were and, amazing. And they may think that it was happenstance, but clearly. No, we we let them know. You don't understand. Oh, oh you. Uh, <laughs> You're yeah. like breath to me. Okay. I didn't know you freaked out on them. Well, okay. I wasn't quite that. Hey, I heard a story. We don't hear a lot about Jesus' childhood, but I mm-hmm. heard a story the other day. Now, Jesus never sinned. We know that. But when he was a little boy, he made quite the mess in the kitchen one day. See, I know what you do. You want me to say anything, or just want me to let you go? What I'm just I know where this, this is going. I'm just telling the story. Okay, tell me the I mean, quote quite story. the mess in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. So Mary, in her humanness, was a little ticked off, and yells to Joseph, "Hey, Joseph, come and see what the Lord has done." <laughs> I actually really like that. Good. Finally, I've never heard such beautiful words said in such a harsh way. <laughs> 